Hello, and welcome back to the Accord Research Alliance podcast. In this podcast, we talk with thought leaders and innovators about monitoring, evaluation, research, and learning in Christ-centered relief development and advocacy. I'm your host, Nathan Maloney, and today we're talking with Nell Becker Sweden, who is the director at Nazarene Compassionate Ministries, and her colleague, Zacharias Osfa, who is the uh, grants and integrated programs director there. And it's a great conversation. We we talk about their COVID-19 response and more specifically an evaluation they did of this response. And so they had a global response, um, uh, you know, working alongside a lot of churches for that response. Um, and earlier this year, they decided to conduct an evaluation to understand um, different lessons from from that response, and so they share those with us. In addition to how they actually uh, conducted the evaluation, so there's a lot to learn from this interview, and I think you will enjoy it. Before we jump into that, I want to encourage you, as always, to uh, share this with others who you think might benefit from this episode or other episodes uh, that we have. And I want to encourage you to uh, think about attending the One Accord Forum next month in October. Uh, So every year the Accord Network hosts um, an annual forum, a gathering for Accord Network members, and it's back in person this year in Ridgecrest, North Carolina from October 19th through the 21st. And so the Accord Research Alliance will have some content um, throughout those three days. And specifically, we're planning a half-day intensive on the on the front end of that so during the day of tuesday october 19th um, you can come and be part of um, a session where we're really going to be diving deep into the topic of evidence so we have some speakers and and some and some some workshop time to really think through uh, what counts as evidence who decides what counts um, what sources do we use for evidence and really just trying to think through what should a, a kingdom perspective on evidence be. So got a lot of, a lot of great stuff coming, um, including uh, our, one of our keynote speakers, who is Professor Mary Kay Gugarty, who co-authored the book, The Goldilocks Challenge, and was a previous guest on this podcast. I think it was episode number 36, if you want to uh, make sure and go listen to that one. Um, So it's going to be a great time if you're able to attend in person or know others who who might be able to, um, you can go to accordnetwork.org to learn more and register. Well, I'm here with Nell and Zach from NCM. Uh, Thanks for being with us today. Wonderful. Thanks for having us, Nathan. Thank you for having us, Nathan. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to the to the conversation. So uh, let's jump right in. I, I, Nell, maybe can you tell us just uh, a little bit more about NCM? Uh, what do you all do? Where do you work? Yeah, absolutely. Well, NCM is uh, part of the larger global church network of the Church of the Nazarene. And so our number one value as we work alongside local churches all around the world is that we're church-led. Um, but we have several other values to kind of complement some of the best practices in community development, even as we're, we're rooted in our, our larger church fabric and structure. 
but we focused on being community-based, child-focused, holistic, or uh, following the principles of integral mission and transformational in our approach of working with churches. So because we're rooted within, embedded within a larger church structure, really our success is the success of the local church living out Christ's compassion and its surrounding community. So one of the uh, interesting things about NCM is just our history of, um, of compassion and justice within the Church of the Nazarene uh, theology and background. Um, but we also uh, are just one of those few denominations that's, that's global in its governance, which is always um, a lot of the time what I end up explaining. Um, but because we work alongside our, our, our churches around the world, we uh, are in 164 world areas of the globe. And we sort of structure that in a continent-based fashion, um, give or take a little. Um, and so we're, the pre predominance of our work rests on the African continent and also what we call the uh, Eurasia region, which would also include a much, bunch of um, Western and Eastern Europe, the Middle East, and also South Asia. So those being two huge land masses with many, many people, I would say um, comprise the majority of how and where we work, but we are also in all of the other continents working alongside the local church. So I, I just add to that, um, you know, in terms of how we live out our mission, uh, we, I think as can all agree probably on the ARA podcast that compassion um, and living that out is part and parcel of the mission of the church and following the way of Jesus. So it's key to discipleship within our local church contexts. But we're also dealing with a lot of really complex issues that our local communities are facing. And so we come alongside, uh, we try to be a, a conduit and helping to come alongside with equipping and mobilizing and training um, and also funding some of the work our local churches do globally. And I'd say we as a church have grown in terms of the principles of integral mission, um, continue to expand and grow there, listening to leaders on the ground. Many of these leaders our pastors and lay people who have been through trainings through a number of accord organizations and sister organizations. So they too are learning just and expanding their vision for how to respond to the community. So because of how we're situated, we don't actually have the luxury of really narrowing down much in terms of the program areas where we come alongside. Uh, we are responding to the creativity and ingenuity of local congregations. So I think it was probably um, five, actually more than five years ago, but right around that time when we sat down and we actually wrote out our program areas that we were um, seeing through all the projects coming through, through local churches. And um, so we have nine, <laughs> which is, uh, uh, you know, quite a few program areas, but predominantly our history and our area of expertise, even as a church, because we are um, at the front of many of these crises affecting children globally and also crises um, where the church is responding in an emergency. And so the bulk of our work, the majority of what we do is uh, facilitating child development centers through local churches around the world and working in holistic child development with our leaders. And then additionally, emergency preparedness and response. And depending on the year, any one of those can um, be higher than the other in terms of just the, the scope of what we do. But additionally, we come alongside uh, local churches with water sanitation and hygiene efforts, uh, health care, uh, preventative health measures. We also have an area of immigrant and refugee response, 
also an area targeting um, needs around women and girls, an economic development area, food security, and anti-human trafficking. So some of those areas, um, we don't have expertise in-house in our global office, but we rely on some of our partners and also experts that are just dispersed throughout the globe in terms of their background and experience. And so we try as much as possible uh, not to be top down in our approach, even though we do function through the central headquarters of the Church of the Nazarene and also have a global NCM office. But really how we respond globally is based on those creative expressions of holistic compassion through our local congregations. And so just as kind of a size and scope, I mentioned the 164 world areas, we have over 30,000 churches around the world and over two and a half million members. And so uh, this is sort of the, the fabric that we, um, the matrix, if you will, that we work through around the world. That's great. Um, thanks for sharing some of the history and background. Um, really, really wonderful to see uh, how you're structured and, and, and within the Nazarene church and the, uh, the ability for um, impact and, and, and really uh, helping the, the church carry out uh, its mission. I'm sure it's um, in that many uh, uh, parts of the world and that many churches, uh, I'm sure it gets uh, complex at times. And, uh, you know, one of the things we want to talk about today is just, you know, what did uh, your response to COVID-19 look like as as NCM and as a, as a Nazarene church, just to add on a, another layer of complexity uh, to everything else that was already um, happening. So we'll talk about uh, that a little bit more and some evaluations uh, that you did to uh, kind of look at your response, but maybe just to get us uh, started, uh, Nell, can you take us, take us back to, uh, let's say, March 2020, mm -hmm. around the time when um, everything started shutting down and, and um, all the attention around the outbreak of, of COVID-19. Um, can you highlight for us what, what kind of response uh, was NCM or the Nazarene Church organizing uh, in the early days of COVID. Yeah, absolutely. And Zach will probably speak to this also in terms of more depth of the tools we were releasing. But I mentioned those um, six world areas, or uh, we call them regions, kind of continent-based structure for our church. We have a, a, a church-based uh, regional coordinator that helped facilitate each of the responses on those regions. And so what we did initially was just mobilize those coordinators with some basic information for how we were seeing some of the response beginning to, to happen in terms of just mitigation of the virus, in terms of awareness of, of spread, even as all of that information was rolling out and changing, um, we were encouraging them to look at um, the World Health Organization and different websites to resource themselves, just in terms of educating the church on how to mitigate the spread of the virus. And then additionally, there were a number of projects where early outbreak was happening that was shutting down a lot of the the way people could could work and get food. And so uh, many of our churches gathered uh, food and non-food items to help communities in need. And uh, we put out some basic guidelines for, for what to keep in mind when having that type of response. And then initially we wanted to really release those coordinators to be able to respond immediately. So we said, hey, you have a release of this amount of funding, you know, begin mobilizing and doing the projects you needed to do. And that's typically how we might work in a major crisis on one of those regions or in the smaller geographical areas on the regions. If something large happens, we would be mobilizing that coordinator to really continue working with leaders on the ground. 
But then as the crisis, of course, grew and expanded and our awareness of how to respond grew and expanded, our church leaders came to us and asked for us to create more of a global response strategy for implementing projects through our through our church leaders around the world. So that really expanded from what we, the leaders we worked with just through the NCM channels to many other leaders, of course, and pastors um, in hotspot areas of the virus. And so um, as we did that, we, we began to roll out kind of more of an implementation plan that was global. Now, that's not typically how we operate. I mentioned that before. We really try as much as possible to work through a structure that will get to the local church as the heart of, of how we respond. And so um, our team had to kind of pivot how we operated and began um, a, a series of channels of communication to just how we could um, begin to implement uh, something unified across all of the regions. And, and I'll just go ahead and stop there. That's great. Um, I appreciate you uh, explaining that. And yeah, it was a, definitely an interesting time, um, a challenging time. And uh, one of the things as, a, as an Accord Research Alliance, we, we started trying to have some conversations early on around is, is how, uh, how COVID and, and different organizations' responses would affect our work around monitoring, evaluation, and, and research um, that we're doing. And, and so I um, am really encouraged and, and applaud you all, I know, for taking some time um, in the midst of, of the response to, to do an evaluation and to, to, uh, to look at your response, the effectiveness of it. So we'll get into some details and love to ask uh, Zach some questions here in a second on, the, on some of the details of the, of the research. But um, maybe one more question for you, Nell, would just be, um, what was it that led you to do that? Why, why did you all decide um, to do this evaluation? And um, wh why was that important to you? Yes, that's a great question. And I really give the credit to Zach and my program team members for leaning into the evaluative process. Um, but like I mentioned, because the way we were operating was a bit um, out of the norm for us, we wanted to make sure uh, our communication channels were open and uh, that even some of the tensions that we would always naturally experience in emergency response, but of course those were exacerbated in, in COVID, we wanted to make sure we were achieving what we set out to do with a, with a global response or a systematic approach to the response. And we wanted to be um, pause at a moment in the response to be self-reflective, to make sure what we felt like we were seeing as successes in the response as a global team were in fact felt um, on the ground and closer to where people were responding and just address those areas of growth that we might need to attend to in the future. And um, as we'll see through what Zek will share, I think what we learned in the process is something really speaks to how we will operate into the future and not just in the crisis response, but we really gleaned a lot from, from um, pausing after six months of response and saying, okay, what do we need to be, do differently and what can we learn from what we have done? That's great. Thanks, Nell. And I'd love to, to switch it to, to Zach here and, and start to dig in a little bit more on the methodology. Um, with this being the Research Alliance podcast, we like to get into the details of, of research and how, how others are doing it or have done it. So um, yeah, can you maybe just walk us through how you did this uh, evaluation? What was the methodology on that? Yeah, uh, I would love to. Thank you, Nathan. Um, <clears throat> 
with the background that uh, Neil shared with us uh, in terms of how we came to the point where uh, we failed, you know, to do uh, um, the the research uh, uh, of our, you know, response, uh, we 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 came uh, to a realization that you know to to have weight, you know, uh, on the on the outcome of the review. Uh, uh, we 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 felt you know to have an external uh, person to do the, the the review for us and uh, uh, it was conducted by an independent consultant specifically uh, hired to do you know the review and the research for us and uh, the, the the review and the research as Neil indicated uh, was done not because the response was completed. It was more of really to pause and then perhaps also to have uh, an opportunity for us to reflect upon you know the 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 the, the response we've we've had so far and maybe also review and uh, contextualize and if you will maybe also change uh, some kind i mean the course of action uh, in terms of you know the scope the content and uh, the rest of it uh, when it comes to uh, the response itself. In uh, the methodology uh, uh, specifically used, uh, you know, for this research uh, was totally considerate of the context we all were in, uh, uh, perhaps, you know, the whole world in this case, that uh, there was no travel or uh, field type, you know, verification process or uh, field, you know, field oriented uh, research uh, approach to it. It was uh, mostly through a desk review of documents, uh, extensive interviews, I would say, uh, with the response leaders, uh, both at uh, headquarters level, in this case, and the same global staff and field level uh, uh, church, uh, church people, field level, level church, church leaders, volunteers, and all those lay leaders uh, on the ground. Uh, you know, uh, helping and working alongside with the local church. And that covers several countries. Uh, and uh, we utilized, uh, in this case, the consultant uh, Zoom calls, uh, emails, and surveys as well. And finally, uh, as you can uh, hear from what I just mentioned, uh, there is uh, the aspect of qualitative as well as quantitative data that uh, the consultant was provided uh, through all those methodologies I just mentioned. And uh, through his uh, effort as well, the consultant gathered as, as, much, as much as possible uh, every data uh, out there uh, you know, within our system, as well as from the people who uh, implemented you know, the, the, the response. And those data, uh, you know, were merged and analyzed, and uh, definitely we've got uh, the final product. In this case, the report, the review report, with some significant learning and lesson uh, for uh, NCM. Thank you. Yeah. Great. Thanks for yeah. Thanks for walking through that and explaining it. So you mentioned some of the constraints. I guess you could say that you were facing, all of us were facing really in terms of you no know, travel and how that shaped the methodology. Uh, if you could give us some highlights of, of the 
uh, key findings or, or lessons learned uh, from the evaluation itself? Uh, speaking of what we've learned, uh, uh, I would say uh, some of the significant uh, learning uh, that came out of the, the, the exercise would be, uh, you know, the, the importance of uh, building institutional capacity uh, across the board was something really that, uh, that, uh, that, that this this review revealed to, to, to NCM and uh, uh, which I would say uh, NCM has been also perhaps, you know, thriving towards really making capacity building to some extent, you know, across cutting team uh, uh, in, in, in across, you know, all our program areas. And also the other major highlight that came out from the review was, you know, the 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 idea of like cross pollinating learnings, so that there is, uh, you know, a continuous uh, learning within within the structure that NSM operates under, uh, such that you know best practices as well as knowledge and uh, uh, and you know how how best you know to engage uh, the, the local church and. Uh, you know, uh, bring out, you know, uh, uh, the best of the local church through cross-pollination was uh, one of, one of uh, uh, the other area that, you know, uh, we've, we've learned uh, uh, from this review. And uh, definitely uh, uh, the other learning area was, you know, uh, the need for meaningful partnerships on the ground that would somehow facilitate, uh, uh, you know, the the the, the church, uh, you know, to to have uh, not only uh, the the ability to reach out to the most in need, but also, uh, you know, to 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 mobilize, you know, uh, what what uh, uh, the, the the community in and around the church to be able to reach out uh, those who are really. Uh, most in need. Uh, also, uh, for the sake of really, you know, scaling up as well as for uh, making sure that, you know, uh, those who are un, 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 unreached as well as those who may be forgotten uh, to be, uh, you know, uh, reached out as well as, uh, you know, uh, recognized by uh, local uh, you know, governments as well as other organizations, the church thriving to form that kind of partnership would serve those who are uh, uh, the most in need. So that was one area that we've also learned uh, uh, from this review. And the other one is really to uh, to to have you know, and then maybe also expand uh, you know the, the the project management system that. And the same, luckily, was rolling out, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic that, you know, such a management uh, project management system, uh, you know, uh, enables us, you know, to be able to track, uh, to be able to document and to be able to really share and communicate, uh, you know, uh, impacts and numbers and uh, what have you just to show. Uh, the scope of you know the the the, the response uh, 
uh, not just for COVID, but also, you know, in, in our global effort in other uh, program areas as well, just to, to, to increase uh, as well as to expand, you know, this project management system to help us even more uh, uh, strategize, you know, in, in the program areas uh, that, that, that we do on a global scale. Thank you. Thank you, Zach, and, and thanks for, for that. Sounds like a lot of great uh, lessons learned um, with the, through the evaluation and uh, maybe some elements unique to, to COVID-19, but also some things that I'm sure you can uh, build upon. And so I was curious, um, you know, how, how would you say that this research has or, or will change how you approach um, your program design across some of these different areas that that Nell was mentioning uh, before that you all work in. It is kind of really uh, interesting. Uh, sometimes you know you you launch uh, research uh, to to <laughs> to find out how you did about you know that specific uh, thing that you wanna research upon, uh, but you learn something really completely uh, different yet you know uh, something that uh, you know as an organization we we knew you know uh, for so long and uh, we were uh, perhaps you know um, uh, you know the thriving to incorporate all these uh, all these learnings that uh, uh, the the research uh, highlighted uh, I would say almost all the lessons and <laughs> recommendations highlighted by the research were rather, you know, things NCM uh, had known for a while and have been striving to incorporate them in our approaches and programs. So the research to some extent uh, affirms our knowledge and understanding. And with that, uh, you know, we all felt encouraged to continue what we are doing and be more strategic about, you know, uh, about it uh, to help us you know, move forward in shaping our programs and the ways how we engage uh, with, with the local church. Uh, some of these uh, areas are, you know, as I mentioned earlier around, you know, the need for, you know, uh, uh, true and true capacity building not just only uh, on a local level where the local church is present, uh, but also uh, within NSM, as well as at a leadership level on, uh, on, on each and every region. Uh, again, uh, you know, there is so much best practice, best practices within, within, within NSM, within the church, that we could actually uh, make them a model, make them sort of like uh, 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 an approach, but uh, to, to, to make them like, um, you know, evidence it, uh, we probably need, you know, to, to expand uh, the reach through those models uh, and approaches and hence, you know, cross-pollination. And then also we've learned not just to have relationships, uh, but, you know, building meaningful relationships and partnerships across the board to equip the local church better uh, to serve communities in and around uh, around the church. So the the, the learning uh, and what what comes out of this research would shape 
uh, all in all, uh, you know, the way how our programs and approaches would be would be shaped going forward. And thank you for for asking that question. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, sounds like um, by doing this evaluation of, of the response to COVID, it has brought to light maybe some questions that were already there or ideas that were already there, but just could you can put some uh, new emphasis or, or focus around around those questions. And so that's really great to hear. So I'm just curious, um, maybe my last question for you, Zach, would just be, um, you know, the, as you're talking about with the methodology, there were a lot of interviews and, and surveys and things of, um, you know, different uh, people at all levels and locations. And so I was just curious, how were these uh, results shared back uh, with within the within the network? And then also, um, what would you say the reaction was? Um, how was it received, uh, the results of this evaluation? So, um First, let me say the, the results were uh, received uh, positively across the board. Uh, and uh, uh, the way how we communicated, you know, this result, uh, these results were, uh, you know, through the same mechanism, how we managed to do, you know, the, the data collection and the rest of it, where we convened uh, a, a session where the external you know consultant to basically share you know the, the the results to the wider group in this case you know the the leaders from uh, each region specifically those who were involved uh, i would say significantly in the in the response uh, so that 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 brought uh, you know uh, uh, encouragement as well as you know moment of reflection uh, that uh, you know we were we were celebrating you know what what was really achieved by you know all of us uh, 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 you know globally uh, through through the response. Uh, more so, uh, you know, of course, we knew uh, not just COVID showed us this, but that you know globally churches. Uh, leave compassion practically and uh, this review perhaps make it even uh, pronounce it if you will and make it really profound to all of us that local churches uh, were always there to provide uh, services in critical times uh, such as you know uh, the, the pandemic that we are in uh, uh, by by reaching out to those who are really most in need. So to to come to that point where we 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 saw the number of you know local churches uh, globally uh, that were actively engaged in the response was a celebration across the board. No matter what you know, these churches would always be there to respond to the needs of those vulnerable, those uh, most in need. And uh, I think it also, uh, uh, you know, make us uh, once again realize as well as, you know, affirm that these are, uh, you know, our uh, strong assets as, uh, as, as a museum. Uh, 
because uh, we exist through the Church of the Nazarene, we function uh, you know, through the Church of the Nazarene, and these are our strong assets for us to be able to uh, achieve you know, the, the mission and the vision of the organization. Uh, and then, you know, we, we saw it as well, it is our unique feature as an organization. So those were really uh, moments where uh, all of us together celebrated and all of us together, uh, you know, uh, cherished, uh, you know, what the, the review and what the research really showed us, uh, um, you know, from, from, from this uh, COVID-19 response. And thank you. Thank you, Zach. Yeah, that's, I just want to celebrate with you kind of what you're saying there about the uh, the local church and just seeing how so many local churches, thousands of hundreds of thousands of local churches responding and, and reaching out and playing such a huge role in the, in the response to COVID-19 and, and seeing that specifically um, within the Nazarene church uh, is really encouraging. So thanks for, Thanks for sharing that. And I will uh, maybe jump back to you, Nell, just for uh, a closing thought here from you. I'm just curious, you know, from kind of your role as, as executive director of NCM and in hearing some of these results and seeing the process around the evaluation, um, how would you say this evaluation impacted your own view of NCM's work? And um, also curious if you see you know, just the results of this evaluation and the process of going through it, uh, will that have any impact on, on how NCM thinks about uh, evaluations moving forward? Absolutely. Yeah, I, th I think much like what Zek was sharing, um, myself and our team felt very affirmed by the process um, or in the process, the results that came out. And mostly because we value the, the process of, um, listening, learning, evaluation, so that we can can work toward greater effectiveness. And so we don't shy away from that. We value the transparency of it and we really want to improve. But I think it also was affirming in the sense of you, it allowed us to stop and step back, even all of our coordinators that were on the front lines of the response to stop and step back, even in the midst of the ongoing pandemic to say, you know, wow, look at what our situatedness within a global church structure can provide us when we respond together in unison. And so I think for me, leading in CM into the future is we need to continue to lean into being a catalyst uh, for hope and God's change in the world. And for us and our, our global team and working through all the layers of church structure and different um, pastoral and lay leaders, uh, leaning into that and being a catalyst on the one hand is, is that listening um, heart and that learning spirit as we approach any of the leaders that we're working with around the world. At the end of the day, we are church led. The church is there before the crisis in the midst of the crisis and it will be there long after. And so just continuing to lean into our posture of that listening and learning spirit as we engage with leaders and that fundamentally because at the end of the day, we want the church to be a local agent of God's transformation. So our role is in equipping and, and really in unleashing that potential for the local church uh, to be the hands and feet of Christ in its community and, and often really challenging and multi-layered uh, crises and experiences. 
so at the same time, as we have um, that role of equipping and unleashing the potential, you know, we have a different vantage point by virtue of where we're situated in the structure of the church and working through with various other global office partners. And that's where um, it helps us lean into the value of uh, the procedures and processes of reporting and evaluation and listening and learning. Um, and so it helps us better understand uh, the ways to create such policies and procedures that are very church friendly, that speak the language of the church and invite uh, our leaders into a culture of uh, learning, a culture of reporting, if you will, um, by which we can grow and strengthen how we're working together in unison. And so Zach had referenced many times our project management system and even just our processes for reporting that are always a tension point, I think, in all of in, in all of our organizations and the ways that we work around the world. And we're always seeking to improve in that. And what we saw was, and what we shared back with our leaders, is it's not enough to create a system for reporting and it's not enough um, to have you know, certain ramifications for not receiving reporting, right? Just that there's um, you know, financial benefit that is taken away or something like that. But how do we truly lean into as a, as a catalytic organization, creating a culture of reporting that it's not just a requirement um, but it's an opportunity to learn together and to share that learning across um, different continents and across the globe so we can continue to lead more effectively as we follow Christ. And so um, I'd say just finally, as we kind of looking at those two areas of how we have, how we function, both that very organic grassroots local church responding, but also the structural role of an organization and facilitating that response. You know, I'd say finally, what we learned is that just like any crisis, <laughs> there will always be tension. Um, and when we're responding and seeking to follow God into some really complex challenges in our world, there will always be tensions in how we view that as people and as followers of Christ. And so with as we rounded out the reporting, there were those tensions and they became more apparent. And we, that's what we wanted to look into in part by going through the evaluative process um, but recognizing our, our role isn't to make all those tensions go away, <laughs> but our role is to work within them and to really seek to improve in our communications, um, to make sure we have clarity in our message about our goals and priorities and how we respond so that we have a unified front um, as a church and, and leading, leading out into the future. So um, I will leave it with that, but I, I really valued the process. I wish we could do this every six months as this, as this process has continued with our response to COVID and will continue. Um, but we have to kind of look at just the timing of what we can take on at given times, but we definitely will make it a priority um, as we respond in other large challenges. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's, that's so great to hear. And I'm just uh, so encouraged to, uh, hear more of NCM's story, uh, your story, and uh, just how you're approaching uh, listening and, and learning through, uh, as you're talking about evaluation and, and reporting, really so that you can serve the local church better. Um, so I love the, the heart behind it and what you all are doing. So uh, Nell and Zach, really appreciate your time. Um, so for those listening and want to find out more about NCM's work and what you all do, how could they do that? Yeah, well, I'd say the, the primary way to look into it is just looking us up online at ncm.org, where you can see all of those nine areas I listed at the beginning and some different aspects of our response. 
But I'd also encourage those listening and probably many persons listening from other agencies, their sister organizations alongside of us. And many of you have encountered the Nazarenes locally, uh, or you've, you know, your offices have worked with uh, many of our leaders around the world. We've partnered with um, Living Water International. We've partnered with World Relief, World Vision, Compassion, World Hope, and Tear Fund, just to name a few. So as we seek to lean into partnerships, they best happen locally. So keep keep working with those uh, Nazarene leaders around the world. It's been, you've been instrumental in our development. And I'd say Zek and I will be at the Accord Forum in October. Um, and uh, we have several other staff members coming as well. So it'd be great to sit down and talk with anyone who's interested. That's great. Yeah, that's one of the things I love most about the Accord Network is how it uh, can really help these partnerships develop uh, just mm -hmm. by having a cup of coffee together and uh, sometimes in North Carolina over at the Accord Forum and uh, just seeing how how these relationships and partnerships can can blossom. So thanks for getting the ad in there for us for uh, for the Accord Forum um, as that is uh, coming up soon uh, here in October. And I believe the registration is now open. So uh, well, thanks again for your time. Really appreciate it and hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you.